Welcome back to the Bat Ass Podcast, the Batman the Animated Series Show Podcast. We talk about all things Batman the Animated Series. My name is Clay McCormick, and with me is Sean Murphy. And today we will be talking about the episodes See No Evil and Beware the Grey Ghost. But before we get into that, oh, right. oh yeah, <laughs> as teased in the last episode, uh, my co-host Sean Murphy has would like to editorialize on on the subject of hentai. Yeah. So uh, take take it away. <laughs> well, I don't have a rant per se, uh, <laughs> and I always call it hentoy instead of hentai. So if I screw up the language, then you know I apologize. And uh, let me start by saying I'm very fascinated by hentai, not not to jerk off to. And I, I'm not judging people who do. Like I have friends who are furries and who probably love that shit. So if that's your thing, then whatever blow your hairs blows your hair back. But I, I'm. You know, with with regular porn, making regular friends porn. on the Batman podcast. <laughs> regular porn can be shot with three people making a mistake for an evening. Guy, <laughs> you know, guy with camera, girl, boyfriend. Like, porn accidentally gets filmed when people are drunk. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's almost no thought put into it. Right. But then you've got the phenomenon of hentai, and you've got like industries and, and people that commute to work to do it, and yep. you know, four hundred one ks and slush funds and, and like editing and getting your <laughs> You know, pitching porn ideas to people in small rooms. I mean, it's just I, I wanna investigate I wanna like learn about how it gets made, who these people are, because it's gotta be really complicated and I bet it would be really fascinating. Like, for example, some of it is so well animated, like there has to be the guy the like the master of like the the semen animation team. <laughs> Like his semen, it's not just water. He knows it's 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 not water. Uh-huh. Honey. It it is it it it's sticky. It's, it sticks to everything. Mm-hmm. It's a mess. He's gotta have like years of experience, and I bet he could lay out for you in a PowerPoint presentation why his semen animation is the best. And I bet there's even like industry parties where like his team gets there fashionably late, and all the other semen teams are like, oh look at those guys. Like they think they're so cool because they animate <laughs> semen. Like, what is his bad day like? He's got his what own After Effects plugin that you can yeah. just use to make the semen that he designed. Yeah. I mean, what is his bad day at work, after work like? Like, he gets home late, and honey, his wife is, like, you know, making dinner, and he's like, don't even get me fucking started today. <laughs> fucking boss's son comes in. You know I don't like nepotism. Telling me that I went too far in the last scene. Like, giving me shit because I added some stuff. You know what he wanted? He wanted, you know, just the semen to hit her in the head. You know what I did? I had to hit her in the back of the wall and then in the back of her hair. Like, we animated it into her hair. Like, no one fucking does that anymore because you know why? We take pride in what we do. You don't even know what salmon ricochet is until we invented it. He That's starts right. talking to me about <laughs> physics. You want to talk about physics? You know, people think it's water. It's not water. <laughs> Like, oh, and she like, tries to take away his meal. He's like, I'm not done eating yet. <laughs> I know. Like, think- that guy has to be out there, and I, I want to meet him. Yeah, I mean, think about the amount of time that they put into animating movies, like, generally. Like, think about how much time goes between uh, animating <laughs> Pixar movies. Yeah. But, you know, after, after waiting five years, you get, you know, Nemo getting uh, uh, anally raped by a tentacle monster. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, I don't even want to go down the tentacle road because that's just another black hole. But, I mean, I... I Literally. I just, <laughs> the other thing is, like, they blur out half of it, too, because of uh, laws in Japan. Mm-hmm. And it, to, to go all that way, to animate, like, the perfect clip and then to have it all pixelated <laughs> at the last minute, must just fucking kill you, you know? It must make you want to quit and go back to the rice fields. 
that's I don't not, know, man. That's it, not even it, to speak to the comic book industry based on the same stuff. Yeah, I mean, you ever meet someone that, like, cares about a hobby too much and they can't even laugh about it? <laughs> like yeah. a guy who brews beer and you're like, oh, uh, you know, don't why don't you do triple? I don't know, whatever dumb beer joke you and I could think of. And he doesn't even know to, like, laugh politely. He's like, actually, people think IPAs are easy to make, yep. but they don't understand. Like, guy who cannot laugh at his own career. Right. That's what the, like, semen animation guy must be like, I bet. You got to go to, gotta go to, you got to go to work in a suit every day with a briefcase full of reference photos you got to use. Yeah. Exactly. And like where is so when his team is referencing quote unquote, <laughs> what is a referencing meeting look like? And what is the meaning of a bunch of dudes just jerking off look it's like? It's like it's like how Disney used to bring in lions so all their animators could sketch the lions so they could know how the lions are look know what they look like. It's very similar to that, only the lions do different stuff. So, oh man, so you're telling me that they take they find models and bring them into the office. They find lions, and bring them into the office. And then oh, the, the, the guy who shows up last has to do the dirty work. Oh, yeah. I want to see that Craigslist ad, like, looking for models. Doesn't have to be attractive. I mean, they don't even need human beings. They can just get a a, a, a statue with a wig and just... just <laughs> Do whatever to it with slap it with tentacles and just I don't know hit it with glue guns. I have no idea. I feel I feel like there's a documentary in here somewhere that that you need to finance and or produce. That's what I'm talking about. I mean I know that I'm like I'm just mouthing off and joking around, but there's got to be a really interesting documentary about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you seen that tickle documentary? The uh, about the competitive tickling? Uh, no. Oh, but that's, you want to see some fucked up shit. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. It's weird, man. <laughs> my um, son in my family is a furry, and he uh, came out to me as a furry, uh, which I'm flattered by. But uh, he asked me where he's supposed to go for more furry information because I, <laughs> I work you, in comics. Yeah, because you know. To know that. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, no, man, I have no idea. Like, there's got to be a documentary or something about it, right? And there isn't, and it, it's it's sad that there isn't because I feel like. With all the Brony documentaries coming out, why mm-hmm. wouldn't this be right up your alley? Yeah. Yeah. I don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> I mean, when, what is it about comic people where you're supposed to come, like, pre-updated with furry knowledge? Yep. No, it's – it's. I've noticed that, too. I've had uh, – when we moved into our place, we had uh, – um, my girlfriend's mother had her interior decorator come over and look at our place. And I had already put up a bunch of my artwork. Right. And uh, she was looking around, and she was like, oh, yeah – yeah, my, my, my nephew does very similar stuff to you. He does, like, really erotic, erotic dark drawings. And I was like, I, okay. Right. I, don't, I don't know what my Batman drawings told you that I was into that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. we all know the same people, I guess. That's so weird that they see a green light. I, uh, I met my landlord once in Brooklyn, and he saw one drawing I did, and then he started to tell me about how he and his brother were big into heavy metal magazine mm-hmm. and so that i get but then he tells me about how they used heavy metal artwork to paint the side of a van of their pickle company to help <laughs> sell vegetables throughout That's, brooklyn that sounds pretty awesome actually yeah. <laughs> i'm like yeah i don't know it went off the deep end pretty quick but he's my landlord so i'm not gonna give him any shit yeah it's it's <laughs> like it's like how you know when you go to a big school like say you go to Duke and you tell someone, "Oh yeah, I went to Duke," and they go, "Oh, do you know Chris?" It's like I, no, yeah. I don't know Chris. It's a big right. school, right? Or when like 
black people joke around to us. And like, we'll be moving on to Batman. <laughs> no, no, no uh, who was it? Uh, Kevin uh, Hart had a joke about, oh, yeah, black people. Like, we all have meetings. We all hang out together. Like, we all know each other. That's right, because there's only four of us. <laughs> and kind of making fun of the impression that white people have about black people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> <laughs> I don't have a drink, so I can't sip it loudly, unfortunately. That wasn't, no, that's No, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just giving you shit. <laughs> Blame Chris Hart, not me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's get into this. We'll be talking about, the first episode we'll be talking about today is See No Evil. Actually, we probably should have used the hentai uh, rant as a way to work into Beware the Grey Ghosts. That's true. We can't go from hentai to talking about... uh, broken family and estranged father with a uh, disappearing complex but i think that's how most hentai artists start so <laughs> uh see no evil which was uh written directed by dan reba and martin pasco and in which lloyd eddie ventrix is on the verge of losing his daughter kimberly to his ex-wife helen due to his past as a con artist determined not to lose kimberly ventrix dons a suit stolen from where he used to work while on parole which grants the user invisibility but also becomes highly toxic and poses as Kimberly's imaginary friend Mojo while stealing jewelry for her. Uh, fun uh, right. fun piece of uh, trivia here. The, the, uh, Kimberly, the girl's voice, yes, is I saw uh, this. Yeah, Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men. So I couldn't – I discovered this 10 minutes ago, and I was stunned, of course. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wait a minute, because she sounds really young, and this must have been 1992. Yeah, it was Two. 25 years ago at this point. So she would be like 11, but she sounds like a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. That's okay. act. That's acting, man. Oh, I was that what that is. Okay, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> acting, acting. So yeah, this one, this one was kind of this was interesting because I, like I've said before, I generally don't care much for these throwaway one-off villain episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually kind of like this one. Um, there was not much to the story. It was pretty simple, but I thought it was really kind of cool. The invisibility stuff that they were doing was cool. The the invisibility car chase was really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it started off really creepy, and I got yeah. re- that for opening scene where it's the girl talking to the disembodied voice and the floating doll. Right. That got me into it because I I was like, yeah, there's nothing I like to see, but a really you know v- <laughs> vulnerable young girl in a room. <laughs> Well, where's my drink of water to take? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, I, I totally agree. And um, I think that the animation exercises that they got to play with, mm-hmm. like playing with a, an invisible man. Okay, so you have Batman being punched by nothing. Yep. So you get to draw Batman reacting. You get to draw a guy, you know, walking through cement and his voice echoing and um, the half half of a car, but it, the other half is invisible. and. There's some really great like challenges that they tackled that I thought were really really great. Yeah, I've always wondered with that stuff if whether or not having an episode of a TV show or in this case a cartoon TV show where your character is invisible is that more work or is that less work? Yeah. You know, because I'm thinking, well, in cart in a cartoon, if you're if you're drawing Batman getting punched by an invisible person, you only have to draw half the fight. Right. So theoretically, it would be faster. But yeah, yeah. it is. It is the, the stuff that they do, especially with the car later, where um, the car, yeah. you know, the the front half of the car shows up and all the paint gets blast, blasted off of it. That stuff was really cool. 
Yeah, yeah. I love the the gag too, where uh, they go by these two guys and they're like, "I didn't know Batman could fly." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that in the especially like a an abandoned drive-in theater. I'm always a sucker for that setting. Yeah, sure I don't know why. It's it's just a really cool. I mean, there's really there's nothing to that setting. It's just a screen and a big open nothing. Right. You know. But yeah, and I bet we could go on for an hour. But I I, I totally agree. But I I love those settings. Maybe because there's a lot of those in New England, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it also harkens back to like a entertainment value, uh, an entertainment system that failed, and now it's just rotting. You know? Right, right. Yeah, um, it, it does always work for some reason. Uh, you know, it, Back to the Future Three, obviously, uh, Heat. There's a great scene at, a, at an old drive-in. It it always mm. it works as a setting. I'm not sure why. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that the the implication there of it's like an abandoned carnival in a way. Yeah, with, with yeah. Less stuff, you know. Well, a, like yeah, a, a lot of those like abandoned photos you see online. I, a lot of good ones, I think, are uh, abandoned uh, driving. Yeah, abandoned theaters. stuff in general is just great. It's also, great setting. It's also like abandoned Americana. It was a time yes. where we thought that America was great, or not to get into politics. And uh, <laughs> there's also that implication when I, when I think about abandoned drive-ins. Yeah, I never thought about it that way, actually. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of that stuff is – it's kind of the dark side of nostalgia, almost. Yeah. Because uh, instead, it, um, you know, where you've got an episode like the one we're about to watch where it's a very positive look at nostalgia, uh, right. you get into that stuff where you see what time is actually doing to these things that you valued so highly when you were a kid. Right. Um, yeah. I, yeah, and I think the symbolic uh, – Maybe just thinking out loud, the symbolic reason why it was there was, okay, so the action was taking place in a poor neighborhood where they lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, they run outside, so there's got to be a poor something that they battle in. So you could make it anything, but they chose to make it an abandoned drive-in theater mm-hmm. where families used to come and have fun, but there are no families there anymore. I mean, you can kind of see the obvious uh, parallels that they're drawing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, my, I think my, my standout for this episode is... Uh, <laughs> The sequence at the, uh, I can't even remember what the hell it was, um, an auction? No, at the uh, bank, the bank. Right. Uh, where they spend a lot of time on one guard and how much he has to pee. <laughs> and there's a really, because, uh, what's his name? The bad guy goes, Ventrix goes into the to the men's room to put on his uh, uh, invisibility thing. And mm-hmm. after he goes in, the guard comes over and tries the handle, but it's locked. And then yeah. once everything starts going down, Bruce Wayne runs in there to change into Batman. And the guy goes, he completely, the guard completely ignores the commotion happening and decides that, well, this is probably the best time to pee. And he goes over <laughs> and, he, and he jiggles the handle and it's locked again. And they cut to a close-up of him biting his lower lip, <laughs> giving this face where he's like, oh, God. Well, to quote Jurassic Park, when you got to go, you got to yeah. go. And then Batman hits him in the face with a door. <laughs> which that was you know that scene was interesting because it was they show batman or bruce wayne changing into batman in a bathroom like superman mm-hmm. right uh which is not really common for batman no. and i don't know about you but i don't personally care for it when when they treat batman like superman in that way i like him a lot more uh i i'm a big fan of the uh uh Bruce Wayne is stuck as Bruce Wayne kind of thing because there's too many people around or whatever. Right. I don't know about you. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there are a couple of scenes where Bruce is in a car, puts on the costume in the backseat, and, like, batarangs himself out 
or grappling hook uses the grappling hook to jump out of the roof i thought that stuff was cool but um mm-hmm. that's that's a little bit i'm okay with that because it's yeah. like he's in his own you know he's in his right. own car and he's got that shit with him this you know the way they do it here implies that he's just wearing oh, the batman yeah. thing under his suit you know <laughs> and i i i just always like the situations yeah. when you've got bruce wayne in a very public setting and he should it's a it's a it's a situation that Batman right. should address, but he can't because he can't right, obviously right. give up his secret I'm identity. To think if, this, if they tried this in the movies, Christian Bale's wearing that bulky ass costume underneath a very tightly fit Euro <laughs> European cut suit. <laughs> yeah, he's like, what are you? He's like, he, I bet he looks like he's shoplifting a bunch of Transformers. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I guess he's I just been working out, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I gotta say though, I, I love the animation in this episode. Yeah, it's I am good. Surprised that they would use this studio, whichever animation studio it was, which obviously was very good. It must have been expensive on a story that does not have a major villain in it. Mm. I love this episode, but it's not a blockbuster type of. You know what I mean? It's not right. Yeah. It's yeah. It's it's a it's a uh, uh, one-off villain. Yeah. In a story that doesn't really have a lot of, right? You know, it, it's not really a character thing for Batman. It's it's just a pretty standard uh, villain of the week type thing. But it's right. they they do a really great job on it. Yeah, um, yeah. And they avoid having the invisible guy have a bunch of henchmen, which I really appreciated. Right. Um, you know, they they this is a character that's post. Uh, it, like it's post um, Rat King or whatever that guy was called, the underground guy, right. where they've kind of figured out how to how to inject stuff you care about into these one-off characters. Like I think I guess it's I guess what I'm saying it's like a post right. uh, uh, Heart of Ice kind of approach where they're right. like, all right, well, just because this guy is one-off, we don't have to just make him a throwaway right. that has kind of a dumb story. Yeah. And yeah. what I liked about this one is it actually doesn't involve batman directly like it, a lot of those other ones uh batman is is you know he ends up a, with one of the kids at his house or he's he's involved personally on yeah. some level yeah but in this one he's just straight up solving the crime right and i i like that a lot and they get they give all of the character stuff to yeah. uh ventrix and his family i thought that yeah. was good yeah i mean if, if i was on the team to animate i would I would want to be on this kind of episode mm-hmm. because it's something that it would be overlooked. But if you really could do something great with it, um, because I feel like if you wanted to work on the flashy episodes that involve the Joker, well, everyone's going to want to do those, and it's going to be uh, you know every every too many cooks in the kitchen, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But stuff like this, you know, even if it was just a comic, like what seems mundane and dull, really has a lot of great stuff in it. Like how often do you see a good animation team? tackle a, a, a man and his ex-wife fighting in a grocery store right right. you know it's just stuff like that that you don't usually get which i think is great yeah definitely they they this one um they definitely brought their a game for it i don't know if it was just uh because they were that yeah. stuff that stuff that was the quieter stuff was just a uh, um uh, had had some uh, uh residual grease on it because of right. how much fun they were doing doing the cool stuff or what but it was right. uh yeah, they um yeah. The the scene in the drive-in where it's just uh <laughs> where Ventrix tries to make an appeal to his daughter 
uh, by pulling off the mask of his invisibility suit, so yeah. he's just a floating head. <laughs> well, how did he think that was going to make it better? I don't know. I mean, and by the do... way, he looks like fucking Howdy Doody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got he's got a weird skin problem too, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he looks like the Mad Libs guy come to life. <laughs> yeah, uh, they do say that the chemicals in the suit make you go insane, so maybe he just wasn't thinking straight when he decided yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> appear as a floating head to his daughter. <laughs> that was that's, you just reminded me that the scene where they're talking about the invisibility cloak and he's taking the wand, the cattle prod, and showing Batman how it works and all this great science and like, oh, this is all nifty. And then the, the final line is, oh, by the way, it's toxic after a while. Yeah, <laughs> and it makes you go crazy. Oh, oh, okay. I'm not sure why that would happen, but okay. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that actually, uh, that reminded me of the scene in Batman Begins where uh, Lucius Fox is showing him how the, the gliding uh, oh, cape yeah. works. Totally. Which then reminded me that this, I believe, is the first Lucius Fox episode. Oh. He's in it very briefly uh, huh. as when um, when Bruce Wayne's being shown around the factory there. He, he makes some comment to Lucius to do blah, blah, blah or something like that. Huh, cool. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because I never... I didn't know Lucius Fox as a character before the cartoon. Mm-hmm. And even after the cartoon, I never really thought of him as a big, you know, an important character. Yeah. But I don't know if it was just, is it just the, the Nolan movies that made Lucius such a big deal? Because in the cartoon, I know he he knows that Bruce is Batman and et cetera, et cetera. Right. But I never, he never was a mainstay of the mythology to me. I don't know. And I think that, People listening to this are probably screaming at us right now. Yeah, I know. I should have looked it up. If we read any... Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I agree with you. I I didn't know Lucius Fox was that important. I knew he was a buddy of Bruce's that worked at at his job. Uh, I didn't know that he was a stand-in for Bruce. Uh, The cartoon covered him, but there was never that episode where it was clear what the hierarchy was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it says it here that uh, he's been around since 1979. Okay. yeah, and it says he's one of Bruce Wayne's closest allies, you know, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So right. I think there I think go. it's one of those characters. I if I had to guess, yeah, I think he's probably one of those characters who became more important as people as they found a use for him, right? And probably became more important because of the show. If I had to guess, right? Um, but you know, I could be yeah un- underselling the importance of Lucius Fox in the comics. I don't know. Well, when you cast uh, what's his face? Oh, as, Morgan as, Freeman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, yeah. That's now he's part of the history books for sure. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Why and you know, the, oh, go, go ahead. No, I was going to change topics, but go ahead. No, that, that's fine. I got nothing real else to say. Uh, so. I was going to say um, part of the reason why. So that scene where they're taking the the wand and making the thing disappear. Yep. I noticed they had three different colors for the for gray. So for example, if you animate a face, you use flesh. And then maybe you use dark flesh for around the eyes. So you mm-hmm. have two two different colors for you know that's how basic animation works, obviously. But when they add a third, like a shine to the nose or the sh- a shine to the brow, mm-hmm. that's when I think animation really pops. And I noticed in this episode, they do that a lot and they do it really well. Yeah. And I know that it's time consuming to try to animate in three colors per layer, or however you want to say that. But mm-hmm. uh, I noticed that a lot of the great Batman episode animation does tr- like three color animation, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, and yeah. the ones that kind of fall flat, there is some. It's nice when it's two colors, but it is a little flatter, and you do notice when that like glimmer on the nose or on the locket 
I think at one point or on the wand, like that really to me made it like a, a print that I would actually print out and look at because it was just so beautiful. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that third color really does make things pop. Um, and it, it's, it seems as we're going through these that it's like they must have on the board right. point, pointed out which episodes that need they need to lean into a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Single mom. Eh, let's do third color popping. Yeah. <laughs> Which is surprising. Like this, like you said, this is a surprising episode that they would, you know, bring out the A team for. Yeah, right. Unless, you know, maybe maybe it's a complete toss up and it's just <laughs> the A team just ended up getting this episode. I don't Let's know. Please use the A team theme to cut between this uh, first part of this <laughs> podcast and the second part. <laughs> um, um, what did you think about the ending? Uh. Uh, so the, I'm trying to remember what exactly what it is. So she's um, the last scene uh, is the little girl talking. Oh to yeah, uh, I liked that a lot. Yeah, um, I thought it was a good bookend from the from the beginning. And right. It, you know, it's it's uh, it's for a second I thought she was going to be talking to her dad again. Yeah. Um, and it so it was nice that it was Batman, but it was also nice that it was still kind of like talking to an, an imaginary friend kind of right. thing. I, I thought right. it was good. What about you? Oh yeah, I, I really loved it. I love the the idea that Batman cares about kids. Yeah. And uh, as such a dark character, to have him check in on a buddy of his, you know, mm-hmm. even, maybe this is the last time he'll ever see her. Maybe he'll check in on her once a year. I really like that human side of of Batman, and I feel like those moments are few and far between sometimes, mm-hmm. and we we forget like how human the character can be. You know, um, one thing I did ask or was was wondering though is. When her mom, uh, when she says her mom, like, oh, I'm, I'm just talking to Batman. When her mom's like, okay, dear. Do you think her mom actually sincerely knew that Batman was just out the window? Or do you think her daughter was just pretending again? Because she has no reason to pretend at this point. That's true. She doesn't. Uh, I'm going to say she probably thought her daughter was pretending. Okay. Uh, but wouldn't you want to check after all, after your weird week with Batman, wouldn't you want to, like, eh, close the window? <laughs> yeah, no, I, absolutely, yeah. I, I mean, r- regardless, I think you're going to err on the side of maybe let's not leave this window open. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think the way they played it was, was her kind of uh, um, kind of uh, being like, oh, she's, she's doing it again kind of thing, even though before right. she wasn't, you know. But that rem- it actually reminded me, um, do you remember there's a scene in the Christopher Reeve, the first Christopher Reeve Superman movie? Where Superman saves a cat out of right, a tree right. and gives it to this little girl and then flies away. And she goes into her house and you hear an audio. You don't see it. You hear the oh, audio yeah, yeah, of yeah. the girl the girl <laughs> telling her mother that Superman flew down out of the sky and got the cat out of the tree. Yeah. And then you hear the mother slap the kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Superman's hearing. Hello. Why don't you do a Yui? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I eat to this day that that scene really weirds me out. It, but hey, yeah. it was a different time, I guess. You know what? I am fully, I am Superman. I am fully capable of coming and saving your cat. Uh, but if you, if your mom starts hitting you, you're on your own, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got other cats to save. Oh boy, Superman! What a no, dick. Man. What uh, a no, dick. but um, you know, to what you were saying about Batman caring about kids. I mean, it, it makes a hundred percent sense that he would care about kids because. His entire character is based off of trauma inflicted on a child. 
Right. So for Batman to be uh, uh, to have a soft spot, soft spot for kids, completely makes sense. I right. mean, even yeah. that's what where Robin comes from. That's where all of the Robins come from. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, um, yeah. We we got yeah. So speaking of that Robin episode, I feel like I would love to talk about Batman with his relationship with kids and how he can't seem to be a good father figure once they're over eighteen, basically. Yeah. Um, but uh, maybe we should save that for Robin. Yeah, so if you uh, could uh, draw a, a scene. Of a, oh, before a, before we get to that. Okay. Uh, kind of jump, kind of jumping off of what you were saying about showing Batman's human side. I noticed in this episode that Batman kind of gets taken out by some normies, for lack of a better term, a couple yeah. times in this yeah. episode. Yeah, he's, he's like, left unconscious. <laughs> yeah, like the first the first scene with uh, where he confronts Ventrix in the suit. He does the like the two things that they do every time there's an invisible character in one of these things at the end of the episode. You know what I mean? Like the way that they defeat this guy, Batman does it on the first try where he yeah. throws the gas down so he can see him and then he covers him in paint so he can see him. Right. Theoretically this episode should end with Ventrix being covered in paint and Batman punching him in the face. <laughs> but it doesn't and Ventrix gets the best of him and he goes he disappears and then he beats Batman up. And then later on at the uh, when he he's going to investigate the technology, the guy just pushes a bookcase on him and knocks him the fuck out. Yeah, yeah, now, I noticed and that. What, how do you feel about like what? Where do you think Batman should top out as far as like power level goes? Because I feel like he, since he he doesn't have superpowers, but he his his superpowers one of his quote unquote superpowers is this. <laughs> you know, stealthiness ninja thing. No, it's 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 real. I'm, I was thinking about it because it's like how how human do you want your Batman no, to be? Oh, I get it. I I just the idea of a, of a scientist with a a well placed bookcase can easily <laughs> defeat Batman, but Joker and his goons cannot. Yeah, like is that? Do you find that to be? Um, well, <laughs> and like, do you find that to be out of step with the character, or do you find that to be a nice flaw that he has? That sometimes, sometimes if he, if you know, he sees something shiny out of the corner of his eye, he'll catch a, a fist in the face. I think that he's got bad days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you ever uh, back out of your driveway? Usually, you're really good to look, and then one day there's someone walking by, and they stop because you don't see them. Oh yeah. You think, yeah. oh man, I, I'm glad he knew. Like, man, that's not like me. Right. Batman, he must have those moments too. I mean, I'd love if after he got toppled by the bookcase, Batman's like, "Fuck, I should have known." Like, <laughs> oh man, All right, I've been so distracted lately. You know, where did you get that bookcase? <laughs> this, this is this from the League of Assassins catalog? <laughs> oh God, what do you? Who does that voice again? <laughs> oh, uh, uh, Pete Holmes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I imagine Batman must kick himself a lot. Like, God fucking damn it. Of course, the, I throw paint at him. The paint's supposed to work, but I didn't know that costume would suck up the paint as well. Yeah. I'm going to have to find some water next time. He was probably thinking about that when he got the bookcase pushed on him. That's why his mind wasn't on, <laughs> on the, his surroundings. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, being single. Or maybe he's just thinking about his mom. Or, you know, whatever thoughts he has all day. Yeah. Every, every yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> You have to wonder how he focuses on everything, with anything, with all the shit going around in his head, probably. <laughs> oh, man. You, you said it much better than I ever could have. Thank you. <laughs> you apparently make invisibility cloaks, and I can only also assume ninja bookcases. <laughs> that guy was uh, a scientist, right? Yeah. 
He didn't just run out of the lab screaming. He actually he was also dressed like a mechanic. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was a, a janitor. Yeah, me too. Like, All right, he, he hit him. He hit him with a fucking monkey wrench. Yeah, I mean, a janitor has some fight in him. You know, blue collar guy hasn't seen his kid for a while. Sure, yeah. but a scientist from Harvard, I don't think he would have known to push the bookcase. It could have been a Goodwill Hunting situation because that guy was from the streets. That's true. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so as, How do you as like for that apples, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too late. Sorry. <laughs> as for uh, uh, what I would like to draw, I can tell you what I wouldn't like to draw. First of all, sure. Um, I would not like to draw that invisible car chase scene. Oh, that was my be- answer. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> I was going to say I don't want to draw that because I think that would be incredibly difficult to sell in a comic. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, now, now you tell me why you'd like to draw because I'm, I'm curious to hear what you say. Uh, I don't know the solution, but I like to, I like to tackle difficult problems. Yeah. Um, I, I see art as math, uh, mm-hmm. not, not to get into it. And I, I look at something like that. And I'm like, Ooh, that's that. Ooh, that would be hard. Uh, I imagine that I would color it or I would handle it talking to the colorist a lot. Yeah. I, I wouldn't want to do the cheat of like, um, you can kind of see it. You kind of see through it like uh, right, a woman's right. plane, but, uh, right. I like how the cloak you see through it wherever it is. Once you tear it away, you can actually see the car and inside the car too. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but if you rotated that model, I think that it would fall apart. I think they had to pick their camera angles very carefully in this episode. Yeah, How yeah, the, for, yeah. For me, it was it was. I, I was just trying to wrap my head around it. It's it's difficult enough to sell a car chase in a comic to begin with, right? Because you don't have the benefit of motion, so you really have to you know, figure out how to sell that with a static drawing. Right. So like, imagine, <laughs> I'm just imagine a drawing, like a panel of a car taking a, taking a turn with Batman on the hood. It's like, all right, I can, I can sell that. Cause you can, you know, the angle, the car leans into the turn and the way that right. his capes blowing or whatever. Right. But now take the car out. So you've just got Batman kind of like weirdly, weirdly Dutch angled on top of nothing. Right. With like smoke behind him, I don't know that that it's it's yeah it would not be it would not be a fun page to draw. I mean, it might be fun once you figure it out, but it right. would be a tough one to crack. Yeah, yeah. So let me guess yours then. Okay. You want to draw two people sitting yelling at each other in a, a supermarket. <laughs> I I want to draw the scene with the girl talking to no one in her room. Ooh. One one person, yeah. one room. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the scene, the scene that I do want to draw. Actually, that would be a pretty fun scene to draw because you could, you know, de- depending on how long it was, you could play with the mood a lot. But yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah. <clears throat> what I would like to draw, um, I would actually like to draw the fight at the end when he, when Batman uh, breaks the water tower open. Right. That would be real fun to play with because you can play with the surfaces of the guy and how the rain is hitting him. Yeah. So you can you can still do the invisibility thing, but you can also do some really uh, interesting rain effects and how yeah. you're gonna how you're gonna show the form of the body underneath the water coming down. I think that would be or you know how the water spraying off as Batman punches him in the face or something. Right. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I I feel like there's gotta be a lot of comics that have had scenes of invisible men in rain before. i'm sure yeah that's kind of a comic book thing you know mm-hmm. but uh, i like I'm, I'm thinking of like a john ramita panel i think or his son i, I don't know something but yeah I, I i totally see your point though yeah um 
Yeah, I think that's about it for this one. Do you yeah. want to? Do you want to rate it? Yeah. Uh, oh man. You know, I want to give this a five, but I'm giving. I've been giving so many fives. It seems unfair. So I'm gonna go to a four. Yeah, I'm gonna do the same. Okay. Um, I don't think it's an all timer. Right. But um, I think it's for. It's probably. For my money, anyway, it's probably the best villain of the week episode they've done. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, I can't sure. remember if I've said that already. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't... But if I have, this is better than the last one that I said that for. That's the thing, is you and I are recording these a week or two apart, and people yeah. are digesting these like you digested Arrow just recently. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, what was I going to say? Uh, forget it. I'll think of it later. It's going to be great once we hit season five and we're just telling the same stories over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> and using recycling the same jokes. Yeah. I feel like this would be a great episode to show someone who doesn't really like Batman or who thinks yeah. that this show is silly. Yeah. I think this would be like a, oh my God, like an estranged father, a creepy, uh, you know, encounter at night. I mean, that's, that's, this is a kid show. Yeah, yeah. I think this would be a good one to show a doubter who wasn't, who doesn't think that they'd be into this series, you know? Yeah. I think it's good. Um, I think it would be good in that sense even more so than one like uh, the Rupert Thorne flashback episode, right? Uh, because that one really kind of leans into the the melodramatics of the relationships and stuff like that. This one has just enough, I think, um, of the family dynamic and to to get you interested, right? Uh, but it wouldn't bore you. Not that I'm saying that episode was boring, but if you're picking an episode to show someone who might not be into Batman, mm-hmm. I think this one would be uh, a little bit more friendly for that. Right. The yeah. only my my only issue with it is I wish, and this would be interesting to bring him to bring the character back or something maybe. But I uh, I wish that they had leaned into the uh, uh, invisibility thing, making you crazy a little bit more. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe maybe they did it the right amount because he. He is acting very uh, unhinged, right? But he's not like the Joker crazy. So right. maybe maybe they did it just enough. I don't know. Well, when they threw that uh, the suit makes him sick idea, mm-hmm. I felt that it helped his motivation. He was willing to put it on despite his health problems. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was that that desperate to get his daughter back. So mm-hmm. he, this is not a, a true villain in my eyes. He did have uh, noble causes, you know. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of, um, uh, I don't know if you remember the third Spider-Man movie with Sandman. <laughs> oh, yeah, where they totally underutilized Thomas Church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When he right was off just... the heel of Sideways, too. Well, what the fuck was he thinking, man? <laughs> <laughs> he Honestly, going back and watching that movie, it's 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 not a good movie, but the Sandman stuff, yeah. not, the, not the story so much, because I... I that well, he was, does what he can. That guy, yeah, I love Thomas Hayden Church. He was good, and the effects on Sandman are really good. Yeah. Anyway, but that's neither here nor there. All right. Yeah. Uh, that's. I think that's it on uh, see no evil. So we're gonna take a quick break and then we will be back with beware the gray ghost. Nice.
Okay, next episode up is Beware the Grey Ghost. Oh, yeah! Finally! Directed by Boyd Kirkland, story by Dennis O'Flaherty and Tom Ruger, teleplay by Garen Wolf and Tom Ruger, lots of people on this one. And in it, Simon Trent, an actor best known for his past role as the Grey Ghost, is on the verge of bankruptcy thanks to his declining career. To save himself, he sells off all of his Grey Ghost merchandise. Immediately afterwards, a series of crimes related to the old show begin to occur. Batman, having himself been inspired partly by the show to become the crime fighter he now is, Mm -hmm. goes to Trent for help, and they team up to put an end to the crimes and also revive Trent's career. Here we go. Can I start off? this one do it and say this was my favorite when i was a kid age 12 sitting on the floor watching this cartoon Mm -hmm. and then this cartoon showed a kid age 12 watching gray ghost and that was Mm -hmm. batman like i that whole like it hit me like a ton of bricks like oh my god batman is just like me i (laughs) i'm still more or less yeah just (laughs) well you know not as (laughs) Uh, no, but uh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. And mm-hmm. I was so in love with the Grey Ghost. I was so disappointed that he never existed before this. And this episode hit me when I was hitting my um, Zorro slash um, Dick Tracy slash Rocketeer phase. Like, yep. pulp hero, you know. I was totally into it. And I was so devastated when nobody seemed to care about the Grey Ghost for fucking years. So fast forward to... Um, I did this book called Joe the Barbarian in 2009, and I got to draw, you know, all these toys in the background. And because it's a DC book, I got to draw Batman toys. And I was so bored on that book. Sorry, Grant. I was so bored <laughs> that I just threw on all these DC characters because I wanted to draw Batman and Lobo and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I drew the Gray Ghost. And I, 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 any opportunity I had to draw the Gray Ghost, and I, I just, I felt like I was beating a drum that nobody else cared about. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's now finally starting to come back a bit. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, this one for me it was always one, it, when I think back about Batman the Animated Series, this is like one of the top five that I wrote. This is, this is one of the episodes that stands out in my mind. Right. Um, I don't know why exactly that is. I think, I think it's s- along the same lines as what, what you're saying about uh, it. it oh, you're yeah. Se- you're, seeing what, you're seeing what Batman's into, and right. he's into the kind of the same thing that you are, sort oh, of. Totally. Oh, that's just, I'm going to walk you through why you love this episode, Clay. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> I, I've watched this episode like twice a year. It's it's pretty great. Um, I uh, I th- I have always been a sucker for um, so before we entered this golden age of comic book related cartoons, movies, and general media. Right. I was a comic book nerd growing up, and even the faintest mention of comic books in yeah. anything. Right. I that's what I would grasp onto. <laughs> you know, it, whether it was, you know, a movie. I watched <laughs> I remember watching a shitty made for TV movie called uh, uh with Antonio Sabato Jr. in it just because the name of the movie was Wolverine. <laughs> and I remember buying I I wanted to buy uh uh I wanted Wolverine work boots just because they had the name Wolverine in them. So I grasped onto anything I could possibly right. get. Is that why you were into grunge? Because of that cool character grunge from Marvel? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was why I was into heavy metal. Oh, wait. Um, it, no, his name was Richter. Shit. Grunge was an image character. <laughs> Damn it. Sorry to uh, interrupt your uh, train and, uh, of thought. There was, there was another one. Uh, like, um, I rem- <laughs> There's a uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie called um, Sudden Death. Which yeah. is an amazingly awesome, ridiculous Jean Claude Van Damme movie, <laughs> but there's a sequence in it where 
he kills a guy by um, putting a, like a big nail right. inside a, uh, a fire extinguisher, and then he shoots it at him. Like he put he puts the tube under his jacket arm, mm-hmm. and he shoots the the nail out of the fire extinguisher like out of his wrist. And I flipped out when I saw that because like oh my god, it was like Spider Man. Like he did the Spider Man <laughs> motion and shot a guy in the neck. So like I, that's how much I was. So you dying were looking you were looking for validation of comics in different forms of media. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, absolutely. No, I getcha. Totally. Getcha. And so I think this episode was like yeah. Uh, like a meta exploration of that totally yeah and i think that's why it stands out so much no batman is a fucking fanboy can you believe it like he geeked out i mean he geeks out throughout this episode i mean his heart is broken when he sees that simon trent is just an actor and he's not actually like the gray ghost you know he he doesn't want to believe that he's let down so he gives him another chance and he doesn't like confronting him when he thinks he might be the guilty party for a bit I mean, it's it's awesome. I mean, he takes him into the bat. I mean, he would Batman would never just take someone into the Batcave. He's totally yeah. geeking out on Trent, which is amazing. And they touch on like they touch on a lot of stuff in this episode too, like the yeah. uh, the idea of never meeting your heroes, that kind of thing. Right, right. Because uh, you know, Batman's clearly disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I imagine Simon how many Trent. people are disappointed when they meet Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I love is when uh, I love how. <laughs> I love Trent's little little apartment with very dramatic curtains. By the way, mm-hmm. he's got he's got an apartment with uh, a, uh, an altar to himself, uh, a giant window <laughs> with curtains, uh, a closet full of his old uh, reel to reels, and a, a thinking chair. And that's yep. it. And I mm-hmm. fucking love it. And he even has great his own great theme music. And I love when he falls asleep after destroying all the shit, and he wakes up and everything's put back together. Do you know what that means? It means Batman came into his apartment while mm-hmm. he was sleeping, replaced yep. the glass on the poster, fixed all the action figures, gently put all the uh, shelving back up, and left it there with a little love note, and then left. <laughs> all while this guy was just unconscious two feet away. He probably tucked him in and left like a <laughs> nice glass of milk next to the next to the bed. I bet he went into his cabinet and licked all the spoons. I mean, he's such a fan of Trent. <laughs> He was wearing Trent's robe while he was putting everything back. Guaranteed. Just, like, just took, touching touching the surfaces around the house. Guaranteed. He took a few selfies. Guaranteed. <laughs> What's up? Me and Simon, finally. <laughs> Hashtag bad fan. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, it's... Um... Oh, and when I was a kid, I would have killed to have seen this episode turned into a movie with Clint Eastwood as the Grey Ghost. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this would have been, you know, it, it's that would that would be great. I would love to see this character come back in some form. I'm surprised that they never used him in the comics. Yeah. Well, um, did they they couldn't get the rights to Zorro for this show, so I feel is, like is that what it is? Yeah. Like so, is that why? Huh. Yeah. So uh, someone can correct me on this in the comments section, uh, but I believe that which uh, we definitely have. <laughs> <laughs> so DC does not have the rights to Zorro, or if they did, they've lost them, and I'm sure it's changed hands a lot over the years. So the idea of Batman uh, walking out of Zorro, maybe they bought the rights to Zorro for the movie, but as far as the comic books, I'm not sure. And then as far as the animation, I'm definitely not sure. So I think to be safe, they put in a, a replacement and created the gray ghost just because they couldn't mm-hmm. use zorro that's yeah why I, I, th- I think he's i mean from from his character design and everything he's a lot closer to uh like the shadow or right. uh, he actually oh, yeah. looks a lot like um yeah the nose of the shadow yeah he well in the, in the fedora 
Right. Uh, he actually looks a lot like the Golden Age Sandman. Yeah. Um, with the purple cape and the, the cool if you take Sandman. if you look at this, well, actually, no, not the cool Sandman. No, I like the gold. I like the gas mask one. Oh, I love the gas mask one. But there's two versions. There's the cool one, which is oh. the the uh, the Guy Davis one from um, where he's got like the World War One gas mask. Okay. But then there's the older one, the actual one from the '40s, where it's like this weird kind of flat gold mask, and he wears a purple cape on top of a suit. <laughs> Oh. It's kind. Of, it's kind of a weird look. What? Uh, Wait a minute. Wasn't he created by Neil Gaiman? No. <laughs> oh shit! I'm gonna get in trouble now, aren't I? <laughs> oh boy. I hope, I hope Karen's not listening to this. Uh yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's definitely he's definitely designed to look like a old pulp hero. Um, yeah. And I think it would have been kind of silly. Personally, I think it would have been kind of silly if you saw Batman and a guy dressed like Zorro <laughs> in the middle of Gotham City. Well, Art, he, Art Deco he, Gotham whoa, City. Whoa, whoa, whoa. He basically is Zorro, but with gray and with no sword. And, and without a without a pencil-thin mustache and a horse. Right. Yeah. But he's got goggles, though. Okay. So the goggles is, is interesting to me. <laughs> okay. What do you want to say about the goggles? I would love <laughs> to know... Who designed this costume? Oh, I'm thinking Mike Mignola. I it has to be. Yeah. Because the first thing I thought when I saw this was he looks just like Lobster Johnson. Right. Which is basic Lobster Johnson yeah, yeah, is yeah. basically the gray ghost. So Mike Mike Mignola created Hellboy for those of you who are listening. Uh people that don't get why my Neil Gaiman reference was problematic. <laughs> uh yeah, you so just, that's a character you just, name. You just got them all back by proving you knew who, who created Hellboy. Well, so uh, Mike, who I know, uh, uh, oh, was, had a giant love affair with like circle, big shark circles on eyes. So when he d- created Mr. Freeze and maybe this character, I think he just had a go-to design sense where he would just do, do circular eyes on mm-hmm. design elements. And even when he designed Hellboy at first, I think he, instead of being able to design goggles up on someone's forehead because Mike is looking for circles on faces mm-hmm. to design. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, what if uh, I just put these up here? And uh, what if, uh, you know, he's red? And uh, hey, maybe these circles, they're not goggles. They're severed horns. Mm-hmm. Like, I am convinced that that was probably where Mike is coming from for a lot of these designs. So it wouldn't shock me at all if this was another Mike design. Yeah, it looks, I mean, it has to be. I, I, it would, if it's not him, it's I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's someone aping his thing because yeah. it, it, it screams Mignola. Yeah. And I, uh, the thing about circle shapes goggles too is it's such a impersonal, uh, bizarre yeah. shape. Because yep. you see eyes are not perfect circles, and when you see perfect circle eyes, it almost there's like a dead quality to it, which I yep. love. And you, and it's always you know, um, you can never see through them, so it's very blank, right? And it's just very unblinking, right? And yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. unnerving, you know. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm wondering, like, what if this had been done with a superhero that looked like Superman? Like, what if Batman was running around with, like, a, another superhero-y-looking dude rather than mm-hmm. a pulp hero? If that would, like, hurt this episode at all? I think I think it would. Yeah. Um, I think it would be disingenuous to the character uh, because as much as this... This episode is very clearly a love letter to Batman. Right. Um, I mean, they even go so far as casting Adam West as as the Grey Ghost. Oh, how did we not mention that yet? Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, you know, everything that we're saying about watching the cartoon Batman is basically the writers saying to Adam West about watching the Adam right. West Batman, you know? Right, yeah. Um, so I think going – I think you have to use a character who is uh, yeah. representative of, of where Batman came from. Right. And it also – they made a – 
they did a good job creating a hero that already felt old. Like they yeah. described the Grey Ghost. You don't need to know much about him before you can totally see how he would fit into Golden Age pulp comics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost weird to think that he wasn't even around until recently. You know, like that's how convincing he is. Yeah. And they needed that just to also like to play with the date a little bit too. Like if that. If Batman, first of all, Batman wouldn't be watching Superman cartoons because he fucking hates Superman, <laughs> and it would totally le- delegitimize Batman. <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know where I'm going with this sentence. <laughs> Big question here, though. Yeah. Do they have a Grey Ghost action figure in that new line of Batman the Animated Series action figures they've been putting out? Because I want one real bad. They've got to, man. They, they have, have to. a Batman figure from justice league where he sang remember that (laughs) that episode where he sang i don't remember that episode i only saw it recently but if you watch it it's worth seeing just for the end where batman has to sing like an opera singer in order to somehow win the day and everyone is stunned that bruce has an immaculate singing voice (laughs) and that was such a such a moment that they decided to make an action figure they made one out of rosie rocket and she only showed up once, yeah, I think. there's got to be a giant be action one. figure of Rosie Rocket with a, a giant rocket that you only see once. <laughs> but yeah, they have to. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, doesn't look like it actually. Well, that's coming. I yeah, I it. mean they've got one. They've got an older one. Yeah, I think. Oh, uh, I've got that one. Unopened. Yeah. So uh, while we're talking about nerdy things, this is a good segue into talking about the guy who works at the film uh warehouse yep uh kind of a critique there on comic book readers uh as much of as much of a that guy's as much of a critique as the villain of the episode is a critique on the same types of people yes. totally i mean you almost expect him to have a ponytail and go worst episode ever yeah yeah <laughs> i well, mean they uh, even went so far as to animate nose hairs inside of his nose <laughs> did you see that Yep. Yeah. They didn't give him one straw to his his overpriced sugary beverage. They gave him two. I mean, <laughs> I did notice the two straws. Yeah. And they, they animated acne. I mean, they, what what the fuck do they think of us? <laughs> yeah, it's um that you know, that's an interesting. Uh, I don't know if that critique exists anymore. You know, I think I think people might get offended if you did that now. Well, yeah, because our friend Ricardo, who's apparently on Tinder all the time, <laughs> managed to get laid no problem by talking about comics, something that you and I were never allowed to do. Oh, boy. Born <laughs> in the wrong time, right? I know. Even now, I feel guilty. Like, when I, I'm today, I am at a coffee shop writing a script for Batman that is actually uh-uh. going to be published and maybe turned into a lot of things one day. Maybe that is a moment in history. Maybe not. Regardless, I'm still embarrassed for people to look over and see me writing Batman on a computer. Did a big guy in a, a Patriot shirt come over and knock the coffee out of your hand? You know, if he did, I would have been on his side because I would deserve it. When I was young, that's how, that was the way to handle these things. <laughs> Just trying to sit there and write your Batman stories, not get shoved in a locker. And I felt like leaning over. There was like these two girls next to me on some, you know, some uh, whatever meeting. And I'm like, just so you know, in case you glanced over here, like... I'm actually being paid to write Batman. This is not fanfic or anything like that. Like I almost felt like describing to them that I wasn't actually a nerd. Mm-hmm. That would not have worked. I know, and I don't mean to like insult millennials who are did not don't live in that world. But mm-hmm. uh, or you I, know your or your wife. <laughs> no, she's just escaped millennials. <laughs> I think she's born in '82 or '83. I think she might have just missed it. Anyway, 
But yeah, uh, so you're right. The same thing with the uh, Mad Bomber, uh, who is right. voiced by Bruce Tim. Right, and uh, is that character and the uh, film archive character <laughs> are both based on um, the villain is based on Bruce Tim, the design right. wise, and the other guy is based on Paul Dini. Right. Which oh. appar- apparently, um, <laughs> oh, sorry. apparently Paul Dini was a much heavier man back then, and yeah. uh, it wasn't until he saw himself animated on Tiny Toons that he decided that he was too fat and needed to lose weight. But they still managed to catch him in his obese state a year or two later with this episode. Yeah. Also, I think he's had a lot of health problems lately. So. Uh, oh really? Let's, let's, yeah. <laughs> Obesity's not a joke, obviously. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that uh, he, he's better now, but uh, I just heard recently that I think he's fine, but uh, there might have been some health problems and stuff over the oh, years, if, which if would kill not, me because he's one better. of our favorite Batman writers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, when I first met Bruce Tim uh, six years ago in San Diego, I remember trying to think of something to ask him about because I was trying hard not to geek out all that's over. That's the worst, isn't it? Isn't the worst trying to figure out what to say to these people? Yeah. It's yeah. the worst. Because you know they know you know. They know that you know who they are. And they're yeah. waiting to see what kind of fan you're going to be. Are you going to play it cool? Are you going to geek out? Are you going to pretend that you don't know, even though they know you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what do you think? I, uh, I just know from experience that I've gone to many conventions in, in my early days where I've walked away from artist tables of, of people who I really admire yeah. going, what the fuck did I just say to those people? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, I remember yeah, the, I've done that. the first time I met Tommy Lee Edwards, uh, I, I could not think of a goddamn thing to say. I really, really, really wanted to talk to him because I loved his work and I really right. wanted to, to pick his brain. I could not think of a, th- a, th- a single thing to say. So right. I just kept looking at his stuff going like, is, so is this acrylic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's cool. I really, it's, it's great, man. It's really, that, it's really good. I did that to Bruce Tim because I'm like, uh, so. Uh, I'm sure know, I did it to you at least once earlier in the uh, early days. I don't. Well, if I remember, you'll never gonna. I'm never gonna bring it up. <laughs> uh, but I did it to Bruce Tim. I asked him about this episode, and I said, "Man, I, I love you know, bad, dark. Uh, yeah, I love animated series. It, it really made me want to do this for a living. You know, not not to go too too deep into it, um, but." Grey Ghost my favorite episode and I, I gotta ask was that you voicing um, the villain and he was like yeah and uh, Bruce can be kind of a cold guy um, mm-hmm. I, I'm sure I can be as well it, you know catch me at the wrong moment of the show so mm-hmm. it is what it is but uh, by all counts still very charming in other aspects but he seemed a little miffed that I didn't think to look it up myself <laughs> but I was really was just like I knew without I knew the answer already I was just trying to find something to talk about basically yeah um, yeah but uh, yeah, I've I've been on the other side of that from people before. Um, them wanting to unload, but not mm-hmm. sure which story to tell, and trying to get them to get it all all out. Um, it's tricky. It, it's 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 kind of fun too. There's like maybe ten different types of people you see over and over when you have a line of people that want to get signatures. Right, right. Uh, you have like guy who's there for his girlfriend or for his friend who doesn't give a shit who you are. Yep. Or or girlfriend. Uh, you've got a guy who loves you and is trying to think of the perfect thing to say that will be memorable, witty, but not take up too much of your time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> People that are trying to joke around with you, but they do it too hard where they end up insulting you. Um, there's yep, a lot of different yeah. types like that. It's, it's kind of interesting. 
I've had great conversations with people at shows uh, when I'm when I'm tabling. Um, yeah. I I enjoy talking to people, and if you get the right people, they just uh, it's not that they can't take a hint, but they will just they will just go. They will right. just go. Yeah. I had a one of the more surreal ones I had was I, I was talking to a guy who must have been like six five. 300 over 300 pounds yeah. dressed like v from v for vendetta right uh talking at me through his mask t- telling me like in in great detail expanded detail about uh the 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 later half of the venom symbiote saga yeah. because he was like you know it's one of those things like oh have you read that and i was like no that's i haven't read that one he's like oh it's so great and then he just talked about it for about 20 minutes and i yeah. it was one of the i you know i wasn't mad it, it was just right, like right this is so yeah so surreal so yeah i so what i started doing at some point was uh i stopped sitting all day at, at my table because you would inevitably get downtime we all do i've seen yep. leonard nimoy sitting at his table with nothing to do at shows it happens yeah. to everybody um but when that happens you run the risk of someone coming by who might not even know who you are who just wants to talk to somebody yep. you know so you get meandering v for vendetta guy um when i sign now i'll sign for a two-hour window so i've got a line of people waiting everyone's got like you know two to five minutes and they know the score so mm-hmm. you, you kind of cut down on meanderers so to speak i will say from a fan perspective though that's the best like that's what i'm looking for when i go to shows is i'm looking for that guy that i want to talk to who just happens to not have anybody around like I, I, the, the best i know the but best I, experience I ever had at a convention, it was the first show I ever went to. My friend and I from college went to the Big Apple Comic Con and specifically to talk to Bill Sienkiewicz. Mm-hmm. And we went there, and he didn't have a sign-up on his table or anything. He was just there drawing by himself. Right. Nobody was there. We talked to him for like 45 – we didn't like talk at him. We had a really great conversation with him, and it was it was awesome because, you know, he wasn't – he wasn't right. pressed because of he was sketching or, or or working on stuff. He wasn't signing. He wasn't. There wasn't right. a ton of people around, so we just got to talk to the guy, and it was right. it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. I've I've had similar uh, experience with Sam Keith. So it was like in two thousand six. Mm-hmm. I was still trying to get published, and uh, he was at a show in Georgia. And after the show, I didn't get to see him, but he was he he dragged his table out into the hallway after <laughs> they closed the doors of the show. To take care of the last few people that wanted sketches. Oh, and that's I think awesome. They were kids. So I think he's really good with kids. He loves drawing for kids or something like that. I, I hope that's true. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. Anyway, uh, yeah, I thought it was just some guy sketching. And then I noticed that he was drawing a lot like Sam Keith. And then someone whispered to me who it was. And I thought it was really awesome that he took the time to help these kids out, right? Out, even though he didn't need to be there, you know? Yeah, that's great. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. But I will, like, I love those experiences too, but I know a lot of pros hate those experiences yeah they have very serious boundary issues yeah i i did approached i did have one where i couldn't quite i thought i had the game going in but i couldn't quite bring it together uh a couple (laughs) years ago at boston uh mike mignola was actually there yeah and i managed to catch him kind of before the show started so there was nobody there yeah and um I thought I had the right ammo to talk to him, but I don't know if I just clammed up or whatever. But it was it, it wasn't awkward, but it was right. it was not as productive as I hoped it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Mike would even say he, he gets stiff sometimes. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm incredibly charming, so I don't. I don't oh know. yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> just ooze charm. <laughs> no, you do actually. To your credit, I think that if I had to have someone hound me at the end of the day, I would have it be you, not oh, some, thanks, some other Sean. jerk. <laughs> 
But uh, no, I was always so. so What kind of what kind of pen do you use when you draw? (laughs) Uh, The go away pen. Here, let me sign your forehead with it. So I was gonna say, uh, as as uh, going back to Mike real fast. um, Yeah. When I first met him, I I wasn't sure what to make of him too. But I was so in love with his art, and he meant so much to me. I don't think I would have been satisfied with any. Thing he said or did because i just had such a high bar of what i expected you know yeah um, yeah but then a couple years like three years ago i can't remember oh i was i was i wrote a blog about people who swipe uh sorry who sell merchandise of batman or whatever it shows without permission yep and i was saying how you know everyone could do what they want but legally it's very black and white if these companies ever crack down and start handing cease and desist through artist alley we're all fucked Oh, absolutely. Um, but no one was saying that, giving that information. Like, people have a very incorrect understanding of what trade copyright law is. And it's, it's, it's so stupid because colleges aren't even teaching it. Anyway, so I wrote this blog, and comics is a big, giant parade for everybody. So whenever you talk about serious comic issues, it's basically like you're raining on their parade and farting in their faces. Mm-hmm. So people who read it, a lot of them agreed and got where I was coming from. Some people just didn't like that it was being perceived as negative, in other words. So I got a lot of shit on Twitter, and people were saying that I'm fear-mongering or whatever, and uh, I was so disturbed by it that I talked to a friend of mine, John Arcudi, who was really close friends with Mignola, and uh, he told me all these things about how, what Mike, how Mike felt, and it was very much in line with how I felt, and he said, you know, Mike follows your tweets, and he agrees with you, and he loves your stuff, and would it, be, would it, help you, would it make you feel better if I had him give you a call? And I was like, okay. uh, no definitely don't have mike mignola call me so mike calls me and we chat for like two hours and uh such a nice guy i mean i don't know you know what mood he was in when i first met him but this is a different mike completely and he was awesome and he was exactly the right type of like pat on the back i needed at the time by someone i really admired and after i got off the phone my next tweet and i've been fighting off trolls on twitter all day I tweeted back at Mike and said, hey, Mike, thanks for the call. I'm glad that you uh, agree with my point on copyright. Suddenly, all my trolls went away. <laughs> you know, now that I'd like in- gotten Mike Mignola to endorse me, they all fucking jumped off a bridge or something. So yep. I'll never forget that Mike did that for me. And I haven't actually <laughs> spoken to him since. <laughs> Sorry, long tangent. Yeah, well, so, I, my, my, uh, uh, my addendum to my Mike Mignola story is after that initial uh, meeting I had with him, the next day at the convention, he was in line behind me at 7-Eleven. Ah. So it was one of those things where I was like, I, I could turn. I'm not going to. You know what? I'm just going to buy this banana and go back to my table. Yeah, dude, I've had people talk to me while I'm taking a piss. <clears throat> Ooh, that's weird. I've had people yell at me from escalators like 100 feet away asking if I wanted a coffee. Like strangers. I saw the most awkward thing I've seen at a show recently was in New York this year um, where WWE Hall of Famer, million dollar man Ted DiBiase was was in line for the bathroom and there was three guys behind him very clearly talking about him but not to him. Uh-oh. And he just was kind of like had to not engage them because right. they were, you know, they were they were like, hey, man, you know, million dollar man, blah, blah, blah. And like, clearly he's not he he's doing his best to not turn around and say something I, that that did, that stuff. Just, I can wait, see. Wait, wait. Did they know he was standing there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Did he like what he was hearing? Uh, He was not reacting at all. He might have been in that 
just let me take a piss. I don't oh, I'm sure he was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, okay. I felt bad for him. Yeah. You know, that's just, that's a, that's an odd position to be in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, great yeah. ghost. And, and for the record, uh, when we tell stories about you and I signing, it's not to display ego. It's just to, to sort of paint the landscape of what it's oh, like absolutely. out there. You know, and I think these stories are really interesting and, and, and fun. Yeah, I hope so. So, great ghost. Um, so this one... Uh, uh, do you want to talk about the music a little bit? I know, I know you wanted to talk about. Um, you've Shirley mentioned Walker. that in the past. Yeah, I yeah. think this one, this one, right away, got me with the music because they they give you a great yeah. theme song to the Grey Ghost. I yeah. thought it was really really well put together. So uh, I, I was gonna look this up again before I talked about it, so I'm gonna get some of this wrong. But Shirley Walker, lady who did uh, a lot of the music, she worked with Danny Elfman, I think on some of the movie scores and then he did the theme song for this mm-hmm. and then she kind of took over and did all these um compositions and it's classic you know 50 people in a room recording like real real music no no yep. synthesizers or anything like that uh also Ooh. i think she was the first woman to do a lot of things at this time i i yeah, maybe next episode we can bring up her specific accolades because there is a great feminist story with her. Um, anyway, she did a, such a killer job with these uh, one-off characters. Even like the theme song for the Batgirl character is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. This one's obviously really great. Um, and I'm sad to say that she actually passed away. Oh, no, did she? Yeah. Uh, oh, that's really sad. She was in her sad. 60s. It was in the past 10 years, maybe sooner. Again, I, I wish I'd looked this up first, but... Yeah, a hell of a loss. And uh, I think that yeah. her strongest composition, if you listen to the soundtrack to um, Mask of the Phantasm, mm-hmm. she takes all this great music and turns it up a notch with like operatic singers and people going, oh, in the, in the background. And it's really amazing stuff. And she, she's amazing. I think she's the character of the show that people don't know is there, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think, um, <clears throat> I think. You immediately think Danny Elfman uh, when you hear the music in this show, but it, but it's not until you really like sit down with it that you realize, oh wait, no, the the, the theme song is mm-hmm. Danny Elfman, but yeah. she's yeah. very clearly writing this great original oh, yeah. music for the she show. She did the bulk of the work. I mean, I think he only did like he basically did a cover song of his other shit from the movies, right? And yeah. then she had to work on this for the next four years. Plus whatever she might have done for Justice League. I'm not sure if that was her. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'll have to look that up. I don't know if she did that. Right. Um, it was definitely not her, I'm guessing, for Batman Beyond, who has yeah. music I fucking hate. You know what's dated now that'll still be dated the minute we release it? Electric guitars. <laughs> How long yeah. whining yeah. solos. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? Shit's coming back. <laughs> what if all of our graphics are made with computers? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so, actually, that rem- brings me to another thing that I liked about this episode. Um, and it's a, it's sort of a... Uh, 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 it's built into the world already, but it's, it, it's given a nice um, starring role here is how there's nothing and i guess it's it, it, it's it's indicative of the time period the show was made but also the 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 world that they've built is how right. nothing is digital in this episode right uh you've got he's bruce wayne is looking for hard film 
Mm-hmm. You know, all of this stuff is on film. There's no, there's no video. There's right. no. I guess there's video at the end, but there's no. Um, like I, I was thinking halfway through this, this episode wouldn't work now because all that shit would be on YouTube. So Batman wouldn't even need to talk to Tr- right. uh, Simon Trent. You know, like it's because right. for me, I, I've, I think I've said I can't remember if I've said this on this podcast. I've definitely said it on uh, the Prisoner or possibly Star Trek. Right. I think that analog technology is almost always a better storytelling device than anything digital. Right. Because it has uh, a physical weight to it. Right. And it it. it it gets across storytelling in a way that, you know, having somebody punch something onto a computer screen just doesn't, you know? Like, yeah. think of think of all the effort that they have to go to to make interfaces interesting. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if you have something on a tape or on a piece of film, like, that in and of itself is already interesting for some reason. Right. I'm not sure why it is, but I've, I've, I've always found that to be true, where if you can go analog, you should go analog. Yeah, I agree. And that, that's what I'm doing with my, my Batman. Like, mm-hmm. switches instead of buttons. Um, reel-to-reel instead of digital. Yeah. Uh, you know, old-school phones. No cell phone. Well, one or two cell phones, but you got to be careful with that yeah. stuff, you know? Cell phones are cell phones are big, are a big one. Because, they're, yeah, uh, they're like plot busters now. Yeah, like, the only, the only movie I think I can remember that I've seen a cell phone used interestingly is... Um, the Departed. The Departed, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say. Um... But yeah, like uh, even um, what was it? Uh, did you see It Follows? Not yet. No. So they they set up this world that's very specifically supposed to be not of a of a specific time period. Right. It's it's very specifically not specific. <laughs> um, so all the cars are older cars. The clothes are older, but it's it's kind of takes place in the present. But right, you know right. the people still have tube televisions and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's one character who has an e-reader like phone thing mm-hmm. and it is so jarring i thought it was incredibly jarring because everything yeah. else in the movie is so right. uh you know matte for lack of a better term and this was like a glossy shine right that just doesn't it does not fit in this in the kind of storytelling that they're trying and yeah. I, I, I yeah yeah but the uh, um yeah you gotta be careful even like the the in the cartoon itself bruce is watching on a black and white tube television Yep. Uh, which I know we've talked about before, but uh, I, I love the analog and the, the, the insistence on analog yep. in this. You know, even the remote control cars, something that people really don't play with anymore. Um, and all the old toys that you saw, like the wind up toys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all that stuff. Really great job. There's a, uh, I think it's a Korean movie that I remember seeing in college called Afterlife. And um, it's it takes place in this world that is it's basically purgatory so um in order to cross over into heaven you have to uh uh you you have i can't exactly remember what it is but you it's something like you have to pick a moment from your life that you want to relive for the rest of eternity oh that sounds familiar yeah and the people who can't figure out what they want to do end up working there um (laughs) so the what, what you do is you go in and then once you pick your moment they create this moment and they do it like a video it's, it's and it's it's not it's not like a virtual reality holodeck kind of thing yeah it's like uh there's one character who um th- the best part of his life was when he got to fly his plane so that's what he wanted to relive and right. so part of the movie is you're watching them shooting this movie for to take into this afterlife where you know they've got hard like theater set type backgrounds that they have to switch out and they've got clouds that they have to make 
mm-hmm. hang like out of cotton hanging from like there's a really a really tangible right, element right. to it yeah. that you just don't get if you know all of these videos were were digital or if it was virtual reality it's 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 something about the, the um how tangible the media is really yeah helps tell the story totally yeah yeah i absolutely agree um one of the other things i was going to say i loved about this episode um i don't know where else to say this i love the animation on the cars the car chase yeah the uh the movement of the camera um they keep the cameras at where the tires are because it's easier to keep track of your ellipses and animate them that way mm-hmm. not to get too technical but uh they did a really great job at that stuff and explosions and even um color like uh, when batman is seeing these things explode at the beginning like him and uh, i think gordon or gordon shows up uh, the only color is blue and orange it's yeah. really jarring but amazing i, I think and, i've said before in another episode i think my favorite batman is the fire sepia tone color batman. that's he's, that's he's, this episode yeah totally yeah there's a couple of shots where he gets he's not gray and black he's different shades of orange basically yep. and it's awesome mm-hmm. yeah and i noticed that the um the animation team on this was from a more anime type of uh, background. Yeah, you know? a little bit. Like yeah. the car, the car races is it has a little bit more anime feel yeah. to it. Yeah, and when he goes through the old book of uh, actors, every other actor is they look like Ronin warriors <laughs> 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 or like uh, speed racer type characters. Yep. Um, yep. But uh, and it's funny because you could see them trying to stay on model with the Bruce Tim model sheet, but they weren't quite getting it. But the mm-hmm. colors were so beautiful and the animation was so awesome that it didn't matter. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, we've talked about anime, and I didn't mention hentai. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. There's another great uh, example of Alfred being a dickhead where um, <laughs> Bruce is telling him about the Grey Ghost, and Alfred very snobbishly sell, tells him that he doesn't watch TV. Oh, oh I prefer my fireplace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, did, I mean. What did you think about the end where Bruce gets his book signed by Trent? Um, I thought from the point of view of someone who would be behind the table uh, signing books, <laughs> yeah. that if someone said that to me as they were leaving, I wouldn't even give it a second thought. Um, I wouldn't have that moment where I was like, hey, that's right. You're probably Batman. <laughs> I'd probably just be like, yeah, that's great. It's great to meet you. I gotta, I gotta, I'm sorry. I got to sign this now. Well, so that when, when Trent goes, really? Was he just placating a fan or did he just figure out who fucking Batman was? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> Yeah, as a kid, I remember thinking that too. Like, wait, does does he know who Bruce is? And Bruce is okay with that? Um, yeah. Well, what was the other part? He, uh, Bruce is he he has some weird people that he picks to tell his secret to. I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I love this episode, man. I, I can't talk about it enough. So, but yeah. What would you uh? What would you draw if you had to pick something to draw? Oh man, can you go first? I haven't thought about mine. I yeah, it's hard to pin down. I would just love to do anything with the gray ghost in it. Yeah. Frankly, uh, I mean, yeah, it would be really cool to do a gray ghost black and white thing. Right. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I like that. I think I'd say that too. Maybe him and the and the gray ghost and the Batmobile together. Um, yeah. I will say, uh, drawing shelves full of toys. Have you ever had to draw that? Uh, a little bit, not extensively. The th- one of the things I'm doing now, I'm, I'm I have to draw a record store, so I've been putting a bunch of sh- shit on the shelves yeah. and stuff. And so it, like it, knickknacks yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, that stuff. Like I, I like that stuff to a point, but then it's just ex- it's exhausting. And to do it right, you have to take a lot of time and 
you can go forever and ever adding Easter eggs and all that. But mm-hmm. at some point, the panel has to get done. So I, I was going to say them looking at Bruce Wayne's homage to Grey Ghost. But then I thought, eh, do I want do I want to draw a bunch of little toys? <laughs> eh. I just did it for my 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 uh, comic with the Joker collecting all these Batman toys, and I'm kind of burnt out on it now. Yeah, that's uh, I I think we have that as the the Twitter banner oh, yeah. image. Yeah. Oh yeah. Did we decide to? Okay, that'd be awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, I would also like to draw the person who has to file the paperwork for all the destruction that they caused while saving the library, <laughs> because they're they're there. They show up to stop the uh, the toy guy from blowing up the library but mm-hmm. then he they they bl- they blow up at least three other buildings with those cars right yeah oh no the 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 question of, if you're a if you work in public service if you're a mayor or deal with f- city financing if you watch batman at all you can't help but think about who the <laughs> hell is paying for all this uh, uh what's it collateral damage <laughs> yeah yeah. Like the constant amount of fucking infrastructure that they're constantly rebuilding. I mean, Gotham City has got to be gridlock traffic all the time because yeah. thank you, fucking Batman. <laughs> that would be a great short to do is two people stuck in traffic because of because uh, Batman blew up a bridge. I uh, I in my story I, I bring this up. I'm sorry, I don't mean to keep talking about my book, but uh, are you drawing Batman? One of the things that joker uses to to turn gotham against batman is he just adds up the amount of uh destruction caused the amount of man hours spent in traffic the amount of times you were late to work or missing your kid's recital because fucking batman blew up the bridge again mm-hmm. and he and not surprisingly he gets a lot of traction yeah <laughs> well we've we've seen how uh playing to that base can really uh uh oh yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get political but no. jesus christ i know well that's the thing is i think that uh my writing is taking on a lot of Trump fear and it's kind of filtering through to Joker, but in a more productive way than it will for Trump, hopefully. Yeah. Or actually, you know, I'd rather have Trump do it right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and not me for a stupid Batman book. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, that's uh, bringing le- real life problems into the Batman show is probably where should, we should end. <sighs> yeah. Wow, we had so many tangents from Hentoy to Trump <laughs> to uh, Mike, Mike Mignola's loving phone call. I wonder if Mike Mignola has ever drawn hentai. <laughs> Pause. I did see him draw tentacles once. He, no, he well, he loves the tentacles. He loves tentacles. Well, yeah. he's good at like he draws the alien tail very well. Yep. Aliens. That's kind of a tentacle. Well, I mean, the he's big into the Lovecraft monsters, which is all tentacles and stuff. Oh, yeah, he does a lot right. of Hellboy stuff with tentacles. Yeah. That's right. Maybe Mike Mignola can explain to me why hentai is handled so carefully well he did just end hellboy so who knows he could be changing careers i don't know (laughs) so uh yeah if you want to give this one a rating what would you what would you say oh easy easy five this is the high mark for the series i think yeah i think i'm also going to give it a five i think this is not as good an episode as heart of ice i think heart of ice is a better written episode personally Mm-hmm. Um, if you take away, if you take away the nostalgia from this one and actually just look at it, kind of objectively, I I shouldn't say objectively, but right. as objectively as you can, I think there's a little bit more meat on the <clears throat> bone with right. Heart of Ice. But this is abs- this is definitely a five for me as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll go. Yeah, you're right. I think Heart of Ice. I probably used the phrase high watermark already on that one. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> 
Ah, whatever. Water goes up and down all the yeah. time. Yeah. Anyway, I hope people don't mind our uh, our our uh, the side roads that we take during these podcasts. The amount of times we get distracted. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, at least it keeps things interesting. And I mean, if they're interested in hearing the. Sh- hearing us talk about this from the point of view that we have then hopefully it is interesting so right and honestly like i don't when i get into podcasting i don't get to talk about the time mike mignola called me i don't get to do that <laughs> stuff you know and I'd, I'd rather talk about those stories than yeah. explain again which college i went to and how i right. got my start you know yeah so what sort of brush do you use when you ink <laughs> oh the up your ass brush you ever ah uh, yes Man. i know that one very well i've got one if you want to borrow it <laughs> i mean you can keep it <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for the Badass Podcast. Uh, next time, we will be back with... Ooh. Okay, I think we're going to change up the order here. So next next time, we're going to do Feet of Clay Part 1 and Part 2. Did you say... Because uh, we've got a single and then Feet of Clay. So I think we're going to change and go Feet of Clay. Nice. And then nice. the following episode, we'll do Prophecy of Doom and Joker's Favor. All right. This is Alrighty. Uh, Sean Murphy and uh, Brush Up Your Ass Clay McCormick. <laughs> Just, just trying to figure out how to get it out. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, yeah, so if you like this, give us a rating review on iTunes. That would be great. And we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Let the good die,